My name is Nicholas Danforth, and I'm an editor at War on the Rocks. You are listening to The Warcast, the members-only podcast for what you need to know now. This week, the United Nations 27th Climate Change Conference is taking place in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. Here to tell us what's happening and why it matters is Aaron Sikorsky. Aaron is the director of the Center for Climate and Security and the director of the International Military Council on Climate and Security. Previously, she served as the deputy director of the Strategic Futures Group on the National Intelligence Council. Welcome to the Warcast. Thanks so much for having me. Give us a little background on the conference. Sure. So this is the 27th meeting of the Conference of Parties, and it happens every year. And there are big cops and little cops, if you will. Last year, the one that was held in Glasgow was considered a big cop, where every country had to check in on their commitments uh, toward cutting emissions right under the Paris Agreement. And there was a lot of attention, given we had a new administration here in the U.S., uh, a lot of progress, uh, I think, was made there on, on raising ambition amongst countries to cut emissions. This year, around a year later, uh, a lot has happened since then, right? You've had the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You've got a much more tense relationship between China and the United States. And you've also had massive hazards uh, from climate change around the globe in the past year, where you had droughts, right, in China, in Europe, in the United States. You had flooding in Pakistan that covered one-third of the country prior to this COP. So that's the kind of stage set for this meeting uh, in Egypt, which again, is considered a kind of a smaller mini COP, right? Um, perhaps less important in, in the grand scheme of things, but still uh, a place where they're hoping to make progress, um, but it's gonna be a lot harder this year than last. And what are the big stories that are emerging from this year's conference? Sure, there are really three things that I'm watching, particularly from a national security perspective and what matters at this meeting. One, as I already alluded to, is this nexus between geopolitics and climate action. Uh, You've seen a lot of headlines leading up to the COP where they're saying things like geopolitics and war are overshadowing climate change. I think overshadowing is probably the wrong verb there. I think the right verb is probably something more like amplifying or impacting or affecting because these two things are connected, right? And so you saw a new report that came out right prior to COP from the International Energy Agency showing that Europe in particular had actually moved faster toward clean energy over the past year precisely because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, You actually saw, too, in the geopolitical front, you know, China and the U.S. were not talking about climate because China stepped away from the table due to Representative Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. But actually, John Kerry and his counterpart, met at the COP yesterday. And so they are having some conversations there. So that's one story is just this nexus between geopolitical competition and action on climate. The second issue that I'm watching closely is a realistic, a more realistic take on the need for adaptation, right? When we talk about action on climate change, there are two buckets usually. There's the mitigation or cutting emissions to keep that temperature lower in the future. And then there's adapting to the risks that are already here. And what we've seen at this COP and the discussion is a recognition that the risks are here and we need to fund adaptation um, because countries are already facing these challenges and and it's just getting increasingly harder to meet the, the goals of staying below, say, two degrees average Celsius of warming, which is what the Paris Agreement um, called for. 
there was, I don't know if you saw the Economist cover last week, but it just, it put it on the line saying 1.5 is a dream, basically, and 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 not, we, we have to be realistic about adaptation. So that's part of the conversation. The third issue that I'm watching that I think is a, is a key theme is this question of climate finance and what's called loss and damage, where again, these countries that are on the front lines of climate hazards today, usually in the developing world, are calling on the countries in the West and the developed world who have emitted the most carbon over time to provide funding for them to either transition to clean energy or pay for that adaptation that I talked about and, and or pay what they call reparations um, for, for what Western countries have done. And this has been a very contentious topic for a long time. It's on the agenda for the first time ever at the COP. Um, Pakistan has been a key uh, country pushing for it in the wake of the floods that I mentioned earlier. Uh, but there's real hesitation on the part of the United States and others to get locked into a legal obligation, right, for reparations or loss and damage. While at the same time, there's a recognition that it serves our own U.S. national security interests to get left a boom, right, on some of these hazards. And if we make investments now to build resilience and adaptation in these countries, um, provide that climate finance, but but the money isn't hasn't been brought to the table yet by the countries who can bring the money uh, to these discussions to the level it needs to be. Two quick questions about the geopolitics of this before we go on. Uh, first, Russia is at this conference, right? Have there been any specific interactions with Russian diplomats of note? You know, I haven't seen anything about interactions with Russian diplomats. I did note that actually earlier today, uh, Ukraine held an event on the environmental and climate uh, damage that war is costing Ukraine, along with the government of Moldova, Georgia, and then the UN. And they all uh, outlined what the the impacts of Russian uh, military action in their countries has been on, on climate and the environment, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I've not seen any interactions with, with Russians themselves so far. Also, for Egyptian human rights activists, there's been a lot of attention to this conference. They've raised concerns about Egypt's role as a host. Has that had any impact on the conference itself? I think it's certainly shaped uh, some of the political discussions at the conference. I think it's shaped, uh, there have been some, um, I've seen events uh, focused on human rights aspects and, and releasing uh, various folks that are in, in prison and, and the foreign governments that have come to the conference are taking the opportunity of being there to raise these issues as well. Um, so it certainly, uh, the other thing it has done is it has, you know, you saw in Glasgow last year, a huge uh, youth presence out in the streets with lots of protests and actions, and you're not seeing that at this COP at all. So it's a different kind of, I think, environment as well than at the meetings. Finally, taking a step back, what do you think the bigger impact of this meeting is going to be over the coming years? You know, I think it's, the bigger impact of the meeting is it will probably have some incremental progress. There will be some new programs uh, announced. There's been some announcements around forest programs, um, around uh, methane, I think, around some private finance. So it keeps the momentum going um, from the previous COPs. I don't think we're going to see monumental changes, frankly, in, in climate action uh, because of this meeting. But it keeps the conversation alive. I think it it continues to push things forward, and and that's all all to the good. But I think at this point, a lot of the the real climate 
action is happening uh, and at bilateral levels between countries or kind of private public partnerships, a lot of, you know, sub-state, also a lot of city to city relationships, things along those lines. And, and so it's all hands on deck, right? You need all of these things together and the cops are important, but it's just, I think, a smaller piece of the bigger climate puzzle. Thank you so much for joining us on the Warcast. Yeah, thanks for having me.